these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Got two words for you guys. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like Nas Reed. Nas Reed. It's not Nas bleeping Reed? Uh, I feel I mean, like he we brings could, we could petition some snarl. for it to be. I feel like he brings that snarl. I feel he deserves that respect on, on his name now. Th- that would to be this a, point, it's yeah. just been Nas Reed. Just Nas Reed. That'd be an add-on to the to the great lineage of Nas Reed. Period. And it's Nas Reed. Period. It's it's not like Nas Reed ellipses. Nas yeah. Reed. Period. Nas hey. bleeping Reed is the next evolution. Sing it, man. Yeah. Sing it, dude. He so. Uh, we're going to have uh, at least three episodes of Flagrant Howls this week. The regularly scheduled episodes with Kyle tomorrow and Thursday. Got a game to react to in Atlanta tonight. I'm going to be at Target Center uh, doing the Media Row thing on Wednesday. Nice. So, and then again, Monday, they got like Celtics coming to town next week too. So there's kind yeah. of a gauntlet of, of schedule here. But I have for you gentlemen, four Wolves observation. It's Mackie's Wolves observations here on flagrant howls and would love to, uh, to know what you think of these starting with this one. Okay. Nas Reed, Nas bleeping Reed. That is continues to be a revelation for this franchise. I think you had kind of brought it up. The, the question on the scoop session with Doogie here, which you can also find on uh, the score North YouTube channel, Mackie and Judd podcast feed that it's hard to find a better, just development story in franchise history. I'm trying to rack my brain going back to, like, the early 90s. I mean, hell, they've had a hard enough time just getting, like, top 10 picks to pan out, right? Let alone the undrafted guys that come in and have to grind their way through Summer League just to get a roster spot. It might be, I don't think this is a hot take, Nas Reed might be the greatest development story in franchise history. You could say Kevin Garnett, who went from high school to being one of the 25 greatest players of all time, but, like, right. This might be the greatest development story in franchise history. I agree completely. Like, and I can't think of another guy that they signed as an undrafted free agent who has made this big of impact and just continues to, to improve. Like, like this is one of the, this might end up, and this is probably hyperbole right now, but this might end up Phil being one of the great undrafted free agent stories in Minnesota sports. Yeah, well, what's well? That's a fun list. John Randall. Yeah, I was gonna say John Randall tops that list. Adam He's a Hall of Famer. Adam yep. Thielen. Yep. Baseball doesn't really have undrafted. It's, yeah, because it's a fifty. There's round a fifty draft, round draft. So. Yeah. Yeah, basketball though, and and football both l- yeah. lend themselves to if you can do it scouting wise. You know, Jared, finding guys like this. Jared Spurgeon has turned himself into an incredible player after being like a seventh round pick. I know it's again kind of in the baseball territory, seventh rounds of the draft, but like Jared Spurgeon's turned himself in from a seventh round nearly was he even undrafted, Judd? I think he might have been undrafted. And he's turned yeah, he turned himself into an a captain in the NHL. It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. But I mean yes, Nas Nas Reed is trending in the incredibly positive direction and he's already made an impact before this and right now it looked fantastic on saturday yeah and, and i think the the biggest question coming into the year and again it's been two games so let's give this thing some time to to play out so we really know what we're dealing with here but the biggest question so that they signed him and he has now confirmed it really wasn't very much in question i think on the outside because there's a negotiation you know 
his agent would be an idiot if he if if he let the message get out that like you know my clients probably going to take a discount because he loves it here he loves that the fans like chant right. his name on the sidewalks and the shopping malls, but he did kind of confirm, I feel the love. It's the franchise that took a shot on me. There's really no reason for me to go anywhere else. But the biggest challenge then was okay. The Wolves are having a hard enough time trying to figure out can Cat and Gobert play together. How do you then find like 25 minutes for Nas Reed? You know, 23, 25 minutes. And last season, this is one thing to keep an eye on here. It's a major change compared to last season. So mm-hmm. Nas Reed's worst teammate pairing in terms of like lineup plus minuses, like lineup comes. His worst teammate pairing was Rudy Gobert. When he was on the court with Rudy Gobert last season, regardless of the other three guys that were on the court with them, that pairing was a minus 12 points per 100 possessions together. Ugh. It was a, it just, it didn't work. Well, yeah. this year so far, we've seen some very encouraging signs in two games, especially that fourth quarter. I mean, they put that game away. I think Cat checked out with like eight or nine minutes to go, maybe in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And it was Gobert and Nas Reed. Again, like a terrible pairing from a plus-minus standpoint last year, and that pairing plus the other three guys closed that game out. Jimmy Butler didn't play, and Kevin Love's a key bench player for them. But it's a good sign. If if Nas Reed and Gobert can play together, it opens up the door for Nas Reed to really get 25 minutes and it not being like shoehorned into these bad lineups. So that's a really good thing. And the one question I want to ask you guys, and Judd, you've been – around longer than we have in terms of like watching some of these athletes come through town. Fans love Nas Reed. <laughs> they literally bring Nas Reed signs. I just got, dude, I, someone just sent me on Twitter here or X. They just like, they carved Nas Reed's name into a pumpkin and sent it into the flagrant Howells Twitter account. People love this guy. Like he he gets louder ovations than pretty much anybody on the team, right? He's like his ovations are right there with Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Minnesota sports fans have gravitated so much to Nas Reed? What is it about him? I know he has a cool name, but it's like it goes beyond because we used to do it with Jason Kubel, Koobs, right? Yeah, or Ploof yeah, or yeah, whatever. No, like, like I what is it about him that we love, do you think? It's his style of play and the fact that he works so damn hard and it's clear that that is what carries him so like he because he's not it's not just like he shows up and oh my god the talent right but i mean he is an incredibly effective player because he works his ass off we love guys in this town who do that and succeed he's a great story he's a fantastic story and he has a certain charisma about him as well but i think everything about how he approaches the game and everything about how the difference he makes through his style of play we in this town, and I, I don't think it's just us. I think a lot of towns appreciate this, gravitate towards. Um, and, and you go through, you know, the list of guys in this town who have worked their asses off. And we always appreciate that. And I think that's a huge thing. Now, that's sort of coupled with the, the fact, though, that I feel like his game is definitely growing. Like, he's turned himself into a really good player, too. He's not just, he's not just a work ethic uh, meat and potatoes guy now. He does those things, but he's also yeah. really talented, uh, and that talent is starting to show. But you know what? From a personality standpoint, he's everything that Carl Anthony Towns is not, and we love that. We love the fact that he comes in and works his ass off, and he doesn't gripe, and he doesn't complain, and you don't see him bitching and, mo- and moaning to officials. I think that is such a big thing in this town. 
Yeah, we, Minnesota loves the kind of hardworking, undrafted, unproven guy. I mean, I'm looking at basketball reference right now, and out of high school, Nas Reed was the 18th best recruit out of high school. Yeah. Like, he was yeah, a top he was a 20 star. recruit. I had a guys he was a McDonald's even, All-American. I had a guys of, like, uh, Emmanuel Quickly. He was a higher recruit than him. Uh, Kobe White, he was just behind Darius Garland. He was ahead of Tyler Hero. Like, he was definitely, like, a, a highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. Obviously, he falls out of the draft, um, but turns out to be like this great project. And Minnesotans, yeah, they love, they can identify with that. Um, it is a pretty cool thing to see. Yeah, we love blue collar grinders. You know, Thielen was blue collar grinder, but he was also one of us. So it just it was like, you know, a jetpack strapped to everything that he was. As a, we would have loved him anyways. But Andy's from Minnesota. Oh my God! Right. And and Nas Reed falls into the sort of blue collar grinder category, and so like. I think if you are perceived to work your ass off, but you're also perceived to be humble and not really try to draw attention to yourself, we right. love that combination. So you're, and and guys who play with energy, you know, guys who get their jersey dirty and guys who fly yeah. around, we we appreciate those things together. And if if you can do all those things and even have, you can, it, it, it's kind of a nuanced thing because you're. We like guys who are humble, but we also want you to show some personality too. So there's a fine line, and Nas seems to walk that line perfectly. I don't think it's strategic. I think it's just who he is. Right. And Carl, to bring up Judd's comparison of why why doesn't Carl get that ovation that Nas Reed gets? Because it's it's pretty incredible. You've got a number one overall pick who's been a franchise cornerstone for like eight years, and he gets he gets an ovation, but he doesn't get the same ovation as the undrafted guy that's coming in here. <laughs> You know, working his way through the grind of you know summer league a few years ago and, and whatever. It's I th- I think their personalities and their styles have just connected differently with the fans. I can I'll say this, and it might not be here. It might be, but I can see Nas Reed on an NBA championship team more than I can see Carl on one. Wow! That's, like I think he's got that. It, wow. I think he's got that it factor. Like, like a guy like Nas ends up being a captain, not because he walks into a room and says, I'm going to lead this team because of all the stuff he does and that he allows himself to be him himself. And, and like, I, I think Nas Reed could be an instrumental part of a championship team. He also, okay. I love that take. Cause I don't think, I don't think Carl can be part of a championship team as like one of the two lead dogs anymore. And Nas isn't like Nas has kind of found his Nas is very comfortable on some nights. Hey, if it's going to be 16 minutes and I score eight points, that's fine. Whatever. Like I'll just sort of fill in what the team needs on some nights. The team needs me to save them and literally score like 15 points in the second half or whatever and carry the game. I'm comfortable with that too. He also made a couple passes in that game, too. There was one that wound up amounting to nothing. I believe Dane Moore retweeted this, if you want to check it out, on his Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was it Jace? It might have been Jace Frederick. But I think it was Dane. I saw Nas this. was at the elbow, and yep. he gets a pass. Uh, I think it was like a screen roll. He gets pa- past the ball on the elbow. And instead of like taking it and going to work, he just deflected it into the corner with one hand, just like Nikola Jokic would. And I think Kyle Anderson was in the corner, but Kyle didn't have an open shot. So the, the, the action just wound up continuing, but it's like, God, he's like touch passing now too. <laughs> he's got these crazy skills. So Nas Reed, man, Nas believe and Reed is the first observation. Okay. Second observation. I know it's two games. Okay. I don't want to go crazy here, but 
Rudy Gobert looks a lot more spry and bouncy than he did a year ago coming off of the crazy trade and the offseason, the international play, which he did play internationally a little bit this year too. It just looks like a different dude. And I don't think it's it's any coincidence that the Wolves' defense has sort of followed with great results. They, uh, they're holding opponents to 93.5 points per game through the first two. And again, no Jimmy Butler, like... It's, it's a two-game sample size, but I think Rudy looks like the Rudy you thought you were trading for a year ago, maybe for the first time. So I think the word spry is exactly right, um, and, and I, I don't think that's two games. I, I, I did a big piece on Steve Hutchinson the year after he signed here, and, I, I mean, he, was, he is a Hall of Fame guard, unbelievable player. And I remember I sat down with him the year after he signed here to, so, to sort of unpack things. And he talked about last year was a blur. Like I, I just I couldn't stop things. Like it was just like you're moving your family, and then you're doing this, oh and then God, you're yeah. doing that. And the trans and and I mean Hutch was as big a professional as you can get. Like this guy, he wasn't screwing around. He literally was like this was just such, um, such a year of transition. And then of course, starting the next year, it slowed down. Gobert looks the same way. Like he looks far more comfortable. Um, I do think that the the international ball he played a year ago was probably more intense than this year. Yep. But I just think I think the main thing is probably comfort. What you're talking about, it's comfort, and he knows the system, and he knows the town, and he knows the coach. And it's weird because some guys it doesn't matter. They get traded and they're absolutely fine. They don't care. Some guys do. Gobert spent his entire career in one place and was comfortable there. And and knew his exact role there. And I think the whole thing with he's going to work with Cat now and being in a different city and all of that, I'm not going to be surprised at all. if it, Not that he's going to be a great player here, but yeah. a lot more comfortable and thus effective for what the realistic expectation should be. Yeah. And they need him. I mean, they obviously need him to, to pay off the investment they made to a degree. But I think we, last year, I think a lot of, Fans, media, everyone else, you know, they hyped up these twin towers, what they called Cat and Gobert. This, this twin tower system is going to work, and that obviously was kind of a – didn't end up working out for them at all. But now he takes, like, this darkness retreat in the off season, and he's just a little bit more comfortable. He's having fun. Like, was he on that camel right when they were in Abu Dhabi, like, last month, too? Like, he <laughs> yeah. just seems a lot more relaxed. And is there still, like, warts in his game? You know, I, I still understand how a guy that big has just just cinder block of hands. Like there's certain there's definitely <laughs> things of his game that kind of blow my mind. And I'm not trying to clown him, but uh, but I do think yeah, it's, it's him being back here second year, him kind of going through um, his off season stuff. I think that'll only be beneficial, and I think you'll see a lot more improved and a lot better version of Rudy Gobert than you saw last season. And this is not his fault, but the reality is this: he will never live up to that trade. Yeah. Like, like it's if you're like, well, he's got to deliver on that entire trade. I'm sorry, it ain't happening. But that being said, I do think that there is a significant step. And, and if he was considered to be a piece of the puzzle, it feels like now the piece is fitting. And a year ago, I'd say it didn't fit. But you know, and another thing too, I think the audience knows my feelings on D'Angelo Russell, and I think those feelings have been validated with some of the stuff in L.A., notably being awful and benched in the playoffs and their most key games, right? They can't even play the guy. But there was all this stuff that kind of came out 
right around and after the trade of D'Angelo Russell that D'Lo was openly clowning Gobert yeah. in the locker room. And like to Declan's point about the cinder block hands, I mean, it's now been widely reported that D'Lo was going around within earshot of players, coaches, and even media saying like, you know, if he, uh, if he could catch a pass in the lane, he would have had more points. Like just, and it's not that he's wrong, but it's that you're trying to build a culture, right? I'm sorry, I'm gonna... Maya? Maya? Yeah, Maya? My door has been open. Yeah. Maya. You know, it's not Bring that he's on. it's not that he's wrong. Yeah, I know. It's not it's not that he's wrong, but it's like right. you're trying to build chemistry, a culture and Oh yeah, that's up. And so that's a ha- D move right there. You know, you're exactly right. So to have like Mike Conley and and by the way, Anthony Edwards basically didn't pass the ball last season to Gobert ever, like on pick and roll. It seems like those guys have made a concerted effort to get lobs to Gobert early. They're not trying to shoehorn it, but it's it, it feels more natural now than a year ago for sure, and then all throughout the D'Angelo Russell period. And you can criticize Gobert f- for this, but, I mean, we all heard stories about the fact he's sensitive. Yeah. So, you, so imagine your teammate basically mocking you. Yeah. Like, that does not help you. Yeah, dude, it's, I mean, it's toxic. Think about that. Like, you come into work every day and it's like, even if they're kind of right, they're not making it more, they're not making it a better work environment by doing right. that. And that's like, D'Lo was always kind of clueless and he's just kind of this aloof player and he's always been, even going back <laughs> to that, what was it, Nick Young, wasn't the incident it's with him and... Swaggy, yeah. Swaggy. Was that, no, that might have been different. That might, was He wasn't involved in that, wasn't he? That no, was just no. Swaggy P. Was it D'Lo? I, th- I yeah, thought he, he was. Yeah. He's the, was it D'Lo and yeah, Swaggy? He, okay. He's the one who I think, like, put it out there, texted <laughs> somebody about it. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, just no, like, no. He's always just been this weird, aloof guy, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You're correct. So, um, okay, on the flip side, here's the third observation. We don't have evidence still that the Cat-Gobert pairing works. And I'm just going to bring you some statistical evidence here. You can use your eye test. I do feel like they did a better job at times getting up and down in transition here and there in that game against the Heat. But again, like they they run that starting five out and the Heat without Jimmy Butler take an early like eight-point lead and it's kind of ugly and then they start subbing guys in. Now, Nikhil Alexander-Walker has not fit great in that starting lineup either in place of Jaden. He's, he's not knocking down the open shots. I think he will at some point. But mm-hmm. last year, regular season, the Cat-Gobert pairing over, I think it was 500 minutes together in the regular season, it was minus one point per 100 possessions. So it was like just below break even when those guys were on the court together, which isn't a great sign when you're two highest paid players and two of your best players, if you're just hoping that they can be break even when they're on the court together for like, 20 minutes a night you you need more out of that pairing there's some lineups in the nba where hey we gotta we gotta run this lineup out with like three or four bench players our goal is to break even with this lineup that's not the case with two supermax players they need to be better than break even when they're on the court together i think so they were minus one per 100 possessions regular season last year in the playoffs smaller sample but it was worse it was a minus eight points per 100 possessions when they were on the court together in the playoffs this year, again, small sample size, two games, minus 19 points per 100 possessions through the Toronto and the Miami game against backups. So mm. when are we going to see some evidence? I think at some point getting Jaden McDaniels back in the starting lineup, you know, get the pieces that are meant to fit together. But that's something to keep an eye on that to this point, the evidence is showing and it's continuing to stack minutes that that pairing is not a positive 
influence on winning. Which is where Nas comes in because he is. And I, I guess here's my question is, and Cat uh, missed such substantial time a year ago that you do have to give this time because it might work. But every time I watch it, it just doesn't look like a fit. And I'm not sure it feels so. So I'm going to make an observation here. Not a hot take, but an observation, Phil. And I want you to respond. It feels like neither player knows how to make it work. And it doesn't feel like it's ever comfortable. So like like with mm-hmm. Nas, I feel Nas always takes a role of, okay, that's not working. I need to make it work. Like this is up to me. And so he'll adjust things. Uh, as you talked about with him going from a really negative pairing with Gobert to now early on, it's positive. When I watch Cat and Rudy, and especially Cat, and this, I'm going to pick on Cat again, but it doesn't hater. feel it doesn't feel like there is a it doesn't feel like either one of them is doing enough to compensate for what the other needs, and they're both really highly paid players. To your point, and I think that creates a conundrum. Yeah, I think your thoughts. Uh yeah, I I agree. I would I will say this. There's only so much Rudy can do to cater to other people cuz his, you know what I'm saying? Like he's not versatile. He's not Good point. You can't move him around at different positions really. He can't shoot from outside. He does have that push shot now that he showed off a couple times, which I kind of like. Kind of expands his range beyond dunking to like 8 feet where he can Plus I just like little... that term the push shot. The push one. It's great. It sounds like something from from uh, uh, 1925 basketball. James Nesmith here. How here's the push, push shot, shot yeah. by Rudy Gobert. Look at the push shot. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely expanding his range to sure. uh, close to the free throw line. So we appreciate that. But yeah, I think and, and I'll defend Carl a little bit. And that last year, before he got hurt, he was the one that had to sacrifice the most because he's a guy that played the five. For the most part, now it's like, hey, we need you to play the four, and we need you to just sort of change the way that you operate. You're going to be the one that has to, because you're more versatile, so we need you to adjust and sort of fit around Rudy Gobert. And But now this year, it's like, okay, Carl did too much catering to Rudy Gobert last year. We need Carl to be Carl and go go out there and get yours. But sometimes when he's out there getting his, does it fit into the flow of a lineup that includes Rudy Gobert? Like, we're, it's still, I, I think, I hate to say this a year in, but it's like, it's still a work in progress. But to this point, it hasn't been positive value statistically for the Wolves. So we'll see. And and Cat has not really, um, like, he looks a little rusty too. Like, he needs to settle in and kind of figure it out. He was two for 10 that first game shooting threes. And, you know, he didn't even barely play in the fourth quarter of that game against the Heat. So we'll kind of see. And then my fourth observation for you guys, Anthony Edwards has added some layers to his game since the last time we saw him. I saw this, yes. So a few things. So his offense hasn't fully clicked yet. You know, he had that uh, really bad shooting night. Mostly it's funny because he's been pretty good from, he's shooting like 50-some percent from beyond the three-point range. It's the intermediate and close-range stuff that he can't hit the broadside of a barn so far in the first two games. So he's just, he's got to figure out, okay, how do I get to the rim? I think the three-point shot looks great. How do I get to the rim instead of selling for some of these intermediates? But he did unveil a pull-up bank shot from, like, the left <laughs> elbow, kind of like the left wing area. It was maybe like an 18, 15-foot bank shot 
that was pure. That was very much like Michael Jordan in the 90s kind of a thing. And then what I loved in that first game is, all right, your offense is kind of a train wreck. You're missing. He was like four for 20 from inside the three-point line. When your offense isn't clicking, how else can you impact the game? Ties a career high with 14 rebounds. And then the second game, he didn't really start scoring until he he did like an eight-point barrage thing in the fourth quarter to put the game away, which was great. But he used his vision and he used the attention that he draws off pick and roll and double teams and stuff. And he used it to get other guys looks. He had eight assists in that game. Or was it nine? It was like eight or nine assists and some other great passes that wound up not going for baskets. So I love that he's added a couple shots. I love that he's now going out and hunting for rebounds and not just stat stuffing, but like looking to impact the game in other ways on those nights where he's not efficient offensively. Yeah, he's a pro's pro right now, right? Like, like he is. Um, he will find his his shot, uh, or at least what he's struggling from. But he knows, like you can tell, this guy lives in the gym and he works on, on his game constantly. Um, and I am comfortable with whatever he needs to do because he is going to be and should be the heartbeat of this team. So yeah, when I watch him play now, I mean, he adds elements to his game consistently and to your point if he's struggling he's not stupid now what i like about it is he doesn't duck out of the game itself like he'll still shoot it's not like he won't shoot Mm -hmm. uh but he seems to be cognizant of the fact of of his importance he wants how can i put this he's incredibly talented so i'm not comparing him to this player because he's just clearly more talented but he wants all the smoke that wiggy never wanted like he wants all all of that but but do do you remember how how we used to complain and rightfully so i you know that wiggy was always like "Ah, some nights i don't have it some nights i do edwards like tries to find his game in the game and then capitalizes on what he's doing best this is a pro this is a first overall pick this is refreshing to watch even when he struggles it's fun to find what he's going to decide he's going to do in that game yeah, you know who doesn't want the smoke? Jimmy Butler, too. Yeah, what the hell hasn't is up played with that? hasn't played in Minnesota? Is it five five straight yeah. games since since Ant basically told him to f himself when Butler mm-hmm. tried to <laughs> push him around? You know why? Because if Ant had been in the gym for the legendary practice, it's a different that doesn't story. Happen. Yeah, there's a throwdown. I would love to see that interaction now. Ant wouldn't put up with that crap. Ant is a. Uh, Ant's game is, has a little Jimmy Butler to it, and that he loves the he loves the mid range. He's a high energy player. Uh, Ant's a little bigger, I think, than Jimmy Butler, and Ant's a better shooter than Jimmy Butler. But the crowd did props to the Minnesota crowd that it. night. Where, Where is, is Jimmy? And he's laughing and he blowing he, kisses. He Him and Kevin Love are doing the hand over the mouth thing too. Yeah. At, at one point, Kyle Lowry came over. He's like, "This is stupid." And they're like, yeah, it is kind of dumb. Like, we go to the NBA Finals every other year. Who are these guys? And they're right about that. But I still like that they clown Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah. And guess what? The fans, good for you. You should clown him. And, I, you know, I saw notes about, well, it's a rest schedule for him and whatever. No, he's avoiding He's avoiding playing here. A rest schedule? It's the third game of the year. Well, he I get it's played, a back-to-back and they're yeah, traveling. Yeah, back-to-back but... in Boston. Yeah. But no, I'm, no, no, no. I agree totally with you. And and that does not fall. That resting night does not fall under the purview of the new rules. 
Because the, so the, the one that I had before was the national TV game. Can't sit him for a national Boston. TV game. Yes, if you sit him on an arbitrary Saturday night against the Wolves, you're fine. Yeah. So he doesn't want the smoke. You know, I get it. Oh. And what's kind of funny is he ultimately was right about sort of the softness of Towns and Wiggins. And he handled it poorly if you're the Timberwolves, yes. you know, if you're looking to build it, you know, build something here, but he, ha- and he handled it the way that he thought he had to handle it by just wanting to get out of the organization. But if he doesn't do that, the wolves don't put themselves in a position to draft Anthony Edwards in the first place. So I, I think going through all of that, even though in retrospect, you'd rather have Jimmy Butler than Carl Anthony towns. I think over the past few years, you'd rather have Anthony Edwards for the next yes. 10 than, than any of those. Yes. Right? And guess what? Ant knows if guys are soft too, but he doesn't be and moan about it. He actually he actually goes out of his way to try and pump up the guys that are maybe Mm -hmm. like he pumps up Carl. He'll pump up not that Rudy is soft necessarily, but like there's a perception that he's he's like a French guy that's kind of passive aggressive or whatever. And uh, Jade McDaniel's is kind of quiet and soft spoken, and Anthony Edwards goes out of his way to say like, no, this is the most important guy on our team. He's a lifter up of people, and Jimmy is more of a browbeater of. And it, it, depending on the lineup, like Jimmy's style has worked in Miami. And sometimes those guys want to punch him in the huddle. Sometimes he wants to punch the coach in the huddle, which we almost saw. But I'd rather have Ant's personality too. So me too. Yeah. Dare I say this? Ant is everything that you want if you draft a quarterback. He's a leader. He's positive. But he's very – you could tell he's authoritative, though. Like, he doesn't say stuff, and I don't think it gets dismissed. Would you rather have him or Jaron Hall playing against the Falcons on Saturday? <laughs> I think Ant might – oh, against the Falcons. He's from Atlanta. Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh, God, he might put he might put up 35. Mm-hmm. I just run read option with him for three hours and see what happens. Play some defense. Vikings 28, Falcons 17. I like Let's it. Let's do it. I Let's like where it. you're going, dude. All right, those are, uh, those are four Wolves observations for you guys here. Flagrant Howls, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with Kyle.